what's it like being a mom? I'll let them answer because I don't know. I do have a scripture I want to start out with today. We're going to actually look at uh, some things the wisest man that ever lived said in Proverbs chapter 1. But before we get there, I want to show you a place where it demonstrates just how wise this man is. Of course, you know the wisest man who ever lived is King Solomon. And in the book of 1 Kings, let me get the scripture right, chapter 2, verse 19. I think it's going to pop up on the screen if we're lucky because it didn't mark it. It did. This is how Solomon treated his mama. Are you ready? When Bathsheba, now you remember Bathsheba, right? Usually we say Bathsheba, you think, "Uh uh-oh, that's that story, isn't it? The one where David and the neighbor bathing on the roof and the affair and the murder, bad stuff, right? Well, Bathsheba was also the mother of Solomon. And so Bathsheba is going to her son, King Solomon, to speak to him on behalf of Abinadi. And the king stood up and met her. Listen to this. Hey, how many of you moms have your kids here with you today? What do you say we practice this next part? Are we ready? Should we try that together? Kids, are you up for it? It's so quiet all of a sudden. Did you read it already? The king stood up and met her and bowed down to her. The king of Israel, when mom comes in, stands and bows. And then he sat down on his throne. And he had a throne brought for the king's mother. And she sat down at his right hand. Now, that's the way you treat your mama. Can I hear an amen, ladies? There we go. Now, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, one of the episodes from his life. Of course, we want to today talk uh, about moms and honor moms. I I hope you've enjoyed those couple of videos. I really like those a lot. Um, I hope it did, too. I hope they meant something to you. But we want to look at a passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 1, where Solomon writes from his experience and from his wisdom, particularly about the family, not narrowing it exclusively on moms in this passage, but certainly talks about the family. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, this is what they, or excuse me, Solomon writes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. There in those few verses, King Solomon talks about family. And really that's the first thing I would mention. Did you notice he kind of assumes a few things? He assumes the structure of the family. There's a a mother, a father, and there's children in that picture. And family is really God's building block. For society, it was God's design and God's ideal and God's plan for how it would happen. And Solomon, in writing this, gives us that picture. Uh, You know, there's a lot of discussion about family today, what makes a family, what is a family, and all that sort of stuff. But really, when we look at at Scripture, dare I say we need to just go back to an old-fashioned idea. And by the way, old-fashioned is not always bad. You know what else is old-fashioned? I thought about this. I tried to come up with a great example that's really Really old-fashioned, like centuries-old old-fashioned. You know what I came up with? The wheel. The wheel is really an old-fashioned idea, isn't it? Hello? The wheel, that round thing, got four of them on your car, drive down the highway. It's an old-fashioned. Maybe we've added some enhancement. How many of you have spinning rims? Anyone spinning 
friends. Nobody here was sinners? Surprise. It was a surprise. No, it was an old-fashioned idea. But but it's a really good idea, yes? Very straightforward, very functional. And I think in, in this uh, reality, Scripture paints from the very beginning a picture of a very old-fashioned idea and ideal that God establishes. In fact, we have to go way back to the very beginning, the very first chapter of the entire Bible, Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1.27, we get this glimpse into God's design in creation. And in Genesis 1.27, it says that humanity is made in God's image. So God created man or mankind or humanity in his image. And then listen to this next phrase. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And there's something about the image of God present in the male and female. And, and what happens from there is the next verse tells us God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and, and multiply or increase in number and fill the earth. And then in chapter 2, he gives us the picture of how they're going to take that reality that was present in creation, the male and female that, that make us image bearers of God. And in chapter 2, verse 24, he says that, Therefore, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, and he holds fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This verse, kind of the origin. Remember that old saying, uh, a man or a son is a son till he marries his wife, a daughter is a daughter till they rest. Is it a wife? Do you remember that one? Am I just making this up? Because you look like you think I'm just making this up. How many of you have heard that saying? Okay, good. I feel better now. So we have that idea, and, and from the very beginning, uh, Scripture lays out this picture of family, the design that speaks to the image of God, that functions in the family of husband and wife, the union there, and then the family that comes. And so Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived, when he writes Proverbs, he assumes the very thing that from the foundational chapters, from the foundational verses of the Bible is set forth as the, the foundation or the building block. Of, of the society that God had made. And, and so we see that reality put forth there. God's idea, God's ideal is found in the family, in uh, husbands and wives and mothers and fathers coming together and raising their children in ways that honor him. Which brings us to, to the next thing that I notice in these few verses in Proverbs chapter Chapter 1, did you understand that not only is the, the family God's idea, but the family is sort of like a school? What does it say in, in, in verse 8 there? It says, listen to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So, so in those verses, Solomon is saying to us that what happens in the home is, is sort of the, the stuff of life. It's how these children that are born and raised learn to live life. Now, there are some things in, in humans that are sort of, I guess you could say, innate or natural or instinctual. For instance, if you were to take, as I understand it, a, a, a child and shine a light in their eyes, what happens? Their pupils shrink, don't they, and you get like, I don't know, which way does it go? They get smaller, right? Does dilate get bigger? Yeah, okay, that's when they put the drops with the, which one's better? Anyway. So they, they get real small. That's just that just happens. There was an experiment I think I read about in, in college. I should ask my psychology major wife about children that were put over glass, and they, they had some sort of idea that that if they crossed that line, they would fall because it looked like there was an edge there. And, and, and even the youngest of, of children, if they sensed 
the sensation of falling, they'll react in a way. That's sort of instinctual. That sort of happens. But those basic things, the eyes, the pupils of the eyes working and that falling reaction or, or even the, the, the instinct the baby has to nurse, it's not the same as an MBA, right? It's not going to get you nearly as far in the business world or in life. And there are a lot of things that happen in the home, the basic teaching or training of what it means to live out life. It's not something that that comes naturally or instinctively to us as human beings. We need a little help along the way. We need the instruction of our parents. We need the modeling of our parents. We need them to, to show us certain skills and abilities. We need that foundational structure to be the place where we learn the foundational things of life. And the value of that for us is, is as Solomon says, that the, the fathers instruct and the mothers teach. And, and the responsibility of the parents is that they give their children not only the, the practical skills, but we find out if we back up to verse 7, sort of the cornerstone curriculum. What is it that the parents are supposed to instruct about? Verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That curriculum that moms and dads are to instill in their their kids is just that. Because let, let me say this, and I think it's pretty clear. If we don't do it in our homes, we can't count on it to be done elsewhere. And ultimately, I think what we have to realize is, as parents is that is our responsibility. Now, we get a lot of help along the way as parents. Certainly, we have family, we have extended family. Maybe you have uh, grandparents that live nearby that are able to, to, to help out. When I grew up, my granny and granddaddy were like my, my home away from home. They lived up at the top of the hill. We lived at the bottom. And, and I spent, usually in the morning, my dad had to go to work real early, and my, my mom worked for the telephone company and had odd hours, so uh, dad would wake us up and shuttle us off to Granny's, and Granny and Granddad would be there, and they'd feed us breakfast. Um, that's where I learned to love turkey bacon, which I haven't had in years. That's how much I love it. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess they didn't have real bacon in Leesburg. We just had turkey. You are what you eat, right? Oh, wait a minute. That's too simple. Anyway, um, so I'd go up there, and they'd feed me breakfast, and that was great, and, and my Aunt Sis would walk me to the bus stop, and in the afternoon, uh, when the bus came back after school, usually Aunt Sis was there to, to meet us and walk me back to Granny's house. And, and, and why I like Granny's is, is at one point we convinced my grandmother, this was a huge coup for us, that did you know Coca-Cola tastes better than Chex? Finally, after years of just pleading and begging, I came in from school one day, and there was a real live red can of Coca-Cola. And it was awesome. The heavens went, oh, it was great. And so we'd stay with her in the afternoon. My dad got off. Finally, we'd go home and, and, and be at home. So, so my grandparents were a huge part of, of my upbringing. And a lot of the things I learned, they had a, a big part in doing that. We get help in that. We get help from maybe the school system. Many of us, uh, most of us, send our kids off to public school or, or uh, you know, we have private school in the area. We have some homeschoolers as well. We did couple of those things in our history, and so we get help from, from those institutions. And certainly you're here at church today, and most churches have uh, organizations or, or different programs that address the different age groups in the church. But here's what 
we have to understand as parents, and I think this, this passage points us to, is ultimately the responsibility for the things that our kids will learn and the kind of people they become falls on us. We can't farm out that stuff, either to the school or to the grandparents or certainly not even to the church. church all of those things are, are good institutions filled with incredible people that work hard to do the work that needs to be done. But ultimately, we as parents have the greatest impact and need to take that responsibility. And we will be, I think, held accountable ultimately for the way in which we raise, shepherd, teach our kids the very thing. And, and what is the bottom line curriculum? The fear of the Lord. Here's what we cannot forget. Everything goes back to the centrality of God in our lives. Everything. Everything. Let me give you an example from, from Proverbs. A little later in Proverbs, uh, uh, Solomon mentions uh, this idea. Um, he talks about, I think it's the next slide, guys, go there. It says in Proverbs chapter 30, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Everything goes back to the centrality of God in our lives. Here, he says about finances. He says about our station in life. Don't give me poverty. Don't give me riches. Not because I don't want to be poor and have needs, and not because... I don't want to be wealthy and lord it over people. No, it, both of those extremes have to do with how that impacts how I relate to God. In my poverty, it would be horrible if that forced me to do something that went against God's design, to, to go steal. And, and if I was wealthy, it would be horrible if that wealth caused me to think, I don't need God anymore. I've kind of got my bases covered. I look at my bank account or my portfolio and say, I'm good. God, you can you can go help somebody else now. I'm fine for a while. Either one of those extremes, neither one is, a, is the issue of what's in the bank account or what's not in the bank account. The ultimate issue is what does God have to say about that? How does that impact my relating to God himself? And the same thing in all that we do as family, ultimately, it goes back to what does that have to do with my relationship with God? Is in these decisions and in the way that I interact and train and teach my family, how ultimately does that somehow inform the way they view God and relate to God? How they relate to their friends is a statement of how they ultimately view and relate to God. How they one day relate to the person who will be their spouse goes back to the issue of how they view and see and relate to God. How they handle money, obviously very clearly in this passage, can have something to say about how they view and relate to God. The career path they choose and how they carry out that career, all of that has something to say or is somehow impacted by the view they have of God. And so the, the foundational curriculum, in our home should be the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everything starts there. God's idea in that family, God's idea with moms and dads teaching and instructing is that that would be the thing that carries them. Of course, we see in that same verse, it is a, a partnership, isn't it? What does it tell us in, in verse 8? It says, 
to listen to your father's instruction and not to forsake your mother's teaching. So it doesn't say what? Fathers instruct and mothers change the diaper. I wish it did. It doesn't say fathers go out and earn a living and the mothers teach the kids all they need to know. It doesn't say that either. It says that both parents have a role in this instruction of the children. I think that goes back to that Genesis 1 passage where in the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them because in the, the full view of who God is and how He relates His creation, have you noticed dads treat their kids differently than moms? I really have to one day bring that video. It's a great video. Have I told you about the video? Why didn't I bring it? This is a perfect day for it. I'm going to tell you about it again. You've heard it before. Just pretend like it's a surprise. Caroline was, what, a few weeks? Can we at least say months? Apparently, Caroline was a few weeks old. I'm going with months, but we'll check the video. We'll go, we'll go to the instant replay and get it for you later. And which means her brother was a couple years older than her. And we had, like most parents, one of those wonderful swings. You know, you put your child in, and it sort of rocks them, lulls them into a wonderful, quiet stupor. I mean, state of relaxation. And big brother thought it would be fun to help his sister relax by pushing her. And I thought it was so cute that I got the video for him and was taping big brother pushing little sister. And in the moment, I guess I failed to realize the velocity said brother was pushing said sister with. But luckily for all of us, the mama came in the room. And the first thing she noticed was that velocity that the daddy missed. And there is a, what, I don't remember the exact word, what in the world? And the camera goes off. That's the end of the video. Dad got the, I mean, moms and dads treat kids different. You know, the kid skins his knee. Oh, are you hurt? Mom says, come here, let me kiss it. Dad's like, yeah, shake it off. Right? Just different. You don't see moms taking their kids and throwing them five feet in the air and catching them. That's the scream you hear behind you, right? Moms and dads treat our children differently. And it goes back to the design of creation that both of those parts, the male and the female, those, those attitudes and those aptitudes and those approaches to life present the full picture of the God who is nurturing and caring and kind and compassionate like the mother and the God who is, well, I don't know what the positive words are, that speak to how dads throw their kids and push them in the swing too hard, but he's that too. You know, we need both sides of that. And so this verse tells us we have the mother's instruction and the father's teaching that come together. Both parties have a great responsibility in it. And the beauty of the picture of marriage is also that in the husband and wife living out their relationship, it is also from Genesis to Revelation a picture of, of God's love for humanity, God's love for the church, the bride, 
and the groom, the bridegroom that comes and receives the bride to himself, the church, all of that from beginning to end is this picture. And both parts of that, both attitudes and aptitudes are needed in the raising of our kids so that they understand the, the full picture of what it means to know and to fear the Lord, both that God has the, the motherly nurturing side and the, the, the different masculine fatherly side. Our kids need that. We have equal responsibility. But notice as well what it says to the kids. The kids have responsibility as well. And that's to listen. Can I get a name? No, I'm just kidding. Kids, this is for you. Listen to your mama. Listen to your dad. And that's like I'm talking to me. I'm a 40-something-year-old kid. I need that advice sometimes. This isn't just for, like, you know, the little ones. This is for all of us. Ephesians, Paul reminds us that there is the first commandment with a promise is to honor your father and mother. And what's the promise? You remember the promise? That it may go well with you and you may have a long life on the earth. How many of you would like to live a really, 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 really long time? Raise your hand. You want to live? I want to have a long, full life. Then listen to your mama. What it says, I didn't make this up. It's in the book. We have that responsibility. I think it's interesting, by the way, the words. It says, listen to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. It's this two-pronged approach. Here's what, from my own experience, I know when you're in the home, particularly as you're you're growing and you're hitting maybe those, those teenage years. Aren't teenagers great? Aren't they wonderful? Who loves teens here? Like three people. Excellent. That's it. Teenagers are great. But when we get to that, that you know what they were saying? I think it's at the fisheries. I'm calling all teenagers, leave home now while you still know everything. Because the older we get, the more we realize we don't know. And as we get to those years, we begin to sort of tune out our parents. It's easier to kind of tune out. Our parents, we think, you know, we've learned some things, and our parents are just kind of out of touch or a little old-fashioned or, you know, really that's not, they don't really, they're not as hip or cool or whatever it is, and we just want to not listen. And it says to you to listen to the instruction when you're in the home. But then notice it says, secondly, don't forsake it. I think that's the the instruction when you're out of the home. Because there will be a point when all of our, our kids reach that age of, of Maturity, maybe it's when they go off to college, maybe it's when they, they get that job and they're, they're able to establish their own home and they're out from under our authority. Does anybody else have the old, uh, as long as you live in my house, you'll live by my rule? Rule. It's a great, I didn't like it at like 16. It's a really good rule at 47. Really good. Right? I mean, that's kind of how it works. And, but when we get out from under that, we have to kind of make our own way. And this proverb, the wisest man Solomon that ever lived, tells us, you listen to it when you're in there. Pay attention to it. And when you're out, don't leave it. Don't forsake it. Don't put it aside. You still need to to call that back to memory. It still needs to be a part of how you live your life. Because if if the the, the formula here is followed, the, the instruction, the, the bedrock of that instruction is the fear of the Lord. You've been taught what it means to honor God in all areas of life, to understand everything you do 
has something to say about your relationship with God. The decisions you make go back to what you feel and what you believe about God. And as you get out and you ha- you're faced with more decisions, not only more decisions, but maybe more consequential personal decisions, it's even more important you don't forsake the things that you learned in the home of the parents who taught you the principles of the Bible, the principles of the Word of God, the goodness of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God, the justice and the righteousness and the holiness of God. All that needs to stick with you. You listen to it when you're under their roof and you don't forsake it when you get out from under their roof because however it works, that ties you to that foundational principle. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when you do that, notice verse 9. They, meaning the instruction and the teaching of your parents, those things will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Anybody like jewelry? Mother's Day, I hope you've got some jewelry under the card, maybe. Anyone? Jewelry? Who's wearing a necklace? Just curious. Well, you like chains around your neck. Good. The garland on the head, that's a little different, right? I don't see many garlands out there. No, no garland. So that's maybe not something that we relate to. But the idea being that, that these teachings, these instructions come with that reward. One of them we've already talked about, the command that comes with a promise, that it will go well with you and you will have a long life. That's a good outcome of the very things that we've talked about, that listening to it. But not only that, it becomes the things that allow you to live life in a way that finds success. When, when the foundation of your life is built upon that fear of the Lord because you learned it in your home, and it became a part of sort of your thinking and your approach to life and how you prioritize things and how you learn to make decisions by watching the example, hopefully, of a godly mom and a godly dad, then you begin to put those into practice. And I... I can't think of a better reward, we might say, than seeing the subsequent generations of your family following in that same line of faith. The things Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, the things you've heard me say in the presence of faithful witnesses, these entrust, or excuse me, many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. One of the things that, that I think is the true kind of reward of godly parenting is to see not only your kids grow up and make that profession of faith and try to live out the Christian faith, but then when they have kids, they begin to instill those same values that you taught them into their kids in a way that your grandkids, when they have kids, and maybe you'll be on earth long enough to hold that great-grandbaby, you see your grandchildren teaching your great-grandchildren what it means to be faithful to God, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the principles that you learned from your relationship to God that came from your parents are passed down two and three and four generations. In fact, one of the, one of the shall we say, yeah, it's kind of a no-fun scripture, is the sins of the father are visited on the children over you know, several generations. But we miss the part that says that, that the righteousness... The godliness of the parents is visited on the children to a thousand generations. And that's the legacy that this is talking about building. Not the second, third, and fourth generation, the sins of the father 
But no, the the faithfulness and the righteousness of, of parenting done according to, to God's design and God's word has benefits not just for your children, or maybe not just for your grandchildren, but your great-grandchildren and beyond. Our goal as parents should be to teach our kids in a way that two and three and four generations, we see the same godly values passed on. That's the, that's the hope of, of, of my life, that when my kids have their kids and they have their kids, that that's what I'm going to see. Why? Because the wisest man who ever lived said that's God's model. That's God's design of family. That's God's purpose of parents to be the instructors, kind of lay that foundation. And the curriculum being that simple reality that the fear of the Lord is where all wisdom starts. Everything that we need to know starts there. And when we do that, the result is that there will be a garland to grace our head and a chain to grace our neck. It is a wonderful thing today that we can celebrate, we can think about and thank our mothers for, for the impact they had on our lives. And I hope as we've gone through these, you, you've remembered some things that, that your own mom might have, have instilled in you. And maybe today will be a day that for all of us, whether, whether you're right in the middle of, of that child-rearing process where you've got kids underfoot and they're growing up, maybe, heaven forbid, you even have teenagers. Or maybe it's something in your future. Maybe a few years down the road, you're, you're thinking, what would it be like to be a mom or a dad? Or, or maybe you're already past that stage, and you're looking at your own kids and grandkids and wondering or enjoying. Isn't, that, isn't that, is it true that grandkids are better than kids? Are you allowed to say that here? Because you can give them back. That's what everybody tells me. Like, here, have some sugar. Now go to your mama. Yeah, excellent. Good times. But that we can remember the, these simple instructions. The fear, let me just read it again and then we'll close with prayer. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the impact of godly mothers. I thank you for the wisdom that can be passed down from parents who know you and who have spent their lives following you, learning your word and trying to instill it into their children. I thank you for the legacy that can be left by we who do those very things. That things like honoring our parents bring about your great promise of blessing. And Lord, today I, I pray, no matter where we find ourselves in that cycle of family, whether right in the middle of it or looking forward to it or looking back on it, that you will encourage us and embolden us to live for the simple principles of your word, for the idea and the ideal that you've set forth we might live out our marriages as images of your love to humanity and that we might be parents who train up our kids in the way they should go because as you say in your word, when they are older they will not depart from it. Thank you for the promises that you make. Thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. Thank you for the example of so many godly men and women in scripture. May we seek 
to learn from them and put into practice the things that you would have us learn. We pray in Christ's name.